Okay, Hazy and T in the building. This one's a fan favorite. We got Brad May. If you like what we're doing, you hit the subscribe button right there. Hey everybody, Brad May here, former Vancouver Canuck two times. Um, I only touch greatness. I will be on the show because you know what? I have a little greatness to my story as well. And uh, I just want to enjoy the conversation with Ryan and um, tune in and let's get after it. The number one sports podcast in Vancouver with Ryan Hayes. Roll it up and fire it up. Ryan Hayes. I only touch greatness podcast. I Only Touch Greatness podcast with Ryan Hayes. We are going live. Brad, you there? You got it, brother. How you doing? Good. Good to see you again. You too. How's everything, man? I'm s- I apologize for my, my tardiness. Not tardiness, but my, my last time. Hey, that's okay. We got you on. That's all that matters. I was going to put on the Don Cherry outfit for you, but... <laughs> It's a little too warm out west. I love that. I love it when you do that. Yeah. We've been doing it a few. I've been doing it with a lot of the world juniors and all the young kids that are coming up and about to go get drafted this year because remember the real Don Cherry used to do the skit where you'd have all the young guys that are all ready to be going to the pros and get drafted. So I've been doing that with our podcast, dressing up like Don Cherry to do something like that. That's fun, eh? Yeah, it is. I've uh, got a little game that we play on here. It's, uh, every time I stutter or every time that I stutter or like that, that should be a drink one. We do a drink every time I say um. Okay, you got it. I, I saw that. All right, perfect. I tried to get Shane Corson to come on a couple minutes ago, but, yeah, he, he's busy. Corson's a good guy. Yeah, he's, he is for sure. We had him on. Uh, and then Rob Ray came on also. And then last week when I showed you Darren McCarty as well. D-Mac's a good dude. Yeah, you've been coming up in all of our interviews lately. That's so funny. Yeah, we're going to throw in some highlights after. And we'll talk about some of your biggest goals. Of course, the Mayday goal. Right on. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, okay, so what was the biggest jump? Going from junior to the big show. That's good, right? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. Rob Ray said to give you shit too, by the way. I know. He gave me shit. We talked we talked afterwards. Oh, you did? Okay. okay. A couple days later. So uh, what was the biggest jump in uh, going from world the juniors to uh, the big show? 
Well, for me, it was, um, you know, I went back after the World Juniors and um, got to play in, I think I played 34 games that season. And, you know, it was, it was wonder. It, for me, it was great because I didn't play the first half of the season, uh, my last year junior, because I tore my ligaments in my knee um, at the World Junior tryouts in the summer. And um, anyways, I, I, I got called up to the Rochester Americans at the end of the season um, <clears throat> that, that we had. We got knocked off in the conference finals in the playoffs. Of, and so I got called up to Rochester, and they, they went to the Color Cup final. So I, I skated with the Rochester Americans, American Hockey League players, for about five or six weeks. And I kind of knew exactly, you know, who I was competing with and against. And um, also I had a whole summer after that, of course, to get ready. So that was the biggest jump for me was, was when I went to Rochester and I saw how good these players were. And I came off a really good year, gold medal, and I yeah. scored a lot of goals in, in my last year junior. And all of a sudden, you know, you're on the ice in the American Hockey League and it's hard to put the puck in the net against professional goalies, not to mention, you know, making good plays on 35-year-old defensemen that have been journeymen. And um, so, but I think for me, that summer was, was really critical and having that experience of playing against them for, or with them, of course it was only practice, but um, to practice with that team and the guys that were going to be trying out for the Buffalo Sabres the following season, following training camp. Um, if I didn't have that experience, I probably don't make the Sabres my first year. What were, what were your feelings like when you were drafted 14th overall in the 90 draft? Oh, feelings were a dream come true. Um, no idea where you're going to get drafted. Just an idea that you, you know, just so excited to actually, you know, not only be a part of, you know, such a great festival uh, for hockey players, um, but then you have an agent and you have all these meetings with teams and you're going to see psychologists and you're doing physical testing you know, I, I, I want to say I met with 15 or 16 teams going into the draft because I don't think anybody really knew. Was I going to be a, you know, a, a high pick? Was I going to be a mid-first rounder or a late-first round pick? And um, every, every day leading up to the draft, it, it, was, it was, you know, forever changing. But um, in Vancouver, BC Place, I'll never forget it. Um, you know, no question. I'm 18 years old, and um, I realized my dream, and that was to be drafted in the NHL. And then circle of life, you ended up back in Vancouver eventually. Yeah, and you know what? I fell in love with the city. Um, I had family out in Vancouver at the time, um, so we got to spend some time. Went up to Whistler. We went to Vancouver Island. Spent an extra week after the draft um, in BC and celebrated. And um, I always said um, my girlfriend was with me at the time, who's my wife today of 26 years, and and you know she was she's been with me the whole time, but. Um, we, we said at that moment, you know, I know I was going to Buffalo. We were so excited because it was only 30 minutes from Niagara Falls where I played junior and two hours from where I grew up. But yeah. um, we were like, one day we'll live in Vancouver. And um, not only did we live there once, we lived there twice. I played for the Canucks two times. And yeah, um, I guarantee you sometime in my life going forward, I'll be living in Vancouver again. Good. I'd love to have you back. So those 91 World Juniors, you won gold. Um, yeah, gold. Gold, it was unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, can you tell us a little about that tournament? Because I only remember highlights being an 83 born, so I remember a little bit of highlights. Yeah, well, the highlights and, and probably the biggest highlight was John Slaney scored the um, – we, we beat – team played seven games, there was eight teams, and it was a, a cumulation – or excuse me, cumulation of – 
all the, all the points. And going into the last game of, of our tournament, we played against the Russians. And um, if we didn't beat them, first of all, if we, if we beat them, we were going to win the gold medal, which we did. But if we lost that game, we would have finished fourth in the tournament. I mean, it was very different. It was 2-2, middle of the third, halfway. I think it was about five or seven minutes left in the third period. And John Slaney scored a slapper from the left point. And um, we went up 3-2. to two And, um, you know, we, we were able to hold off the, the Russians. And Pavel Bure at the time, of course, everybody in Vancouver knows. But Stanis yep. um, Ozilinch, Dmitry Iskevich, and a number of other NHL players and, like, world-class players. So uh, it was an unbelievable tournament. And just a celebrating that went on in, in Saskatoon. And, you know, on our team, we had Eric Lindros, who ended up being – um, I want to say he got drafted the, that following summer in 1991. And um, Patty, Patty Falloon was – so it was Eric was first overall, Pat Falloon second. And we all played together, and we had a great, great few weeks. It was, it was wonderful. And that was after the – of course, the big brawl in 88 or 87 yeah, uh, yeah. with Theo Fleury, who we had on as well. Yeah. Hey, you know what, Theo, all those guys, like – so for as a young guy, I mean – you got Shane Corson, you got Fleury, you got Shanahan, you got all these guys that were playing. Um, of course, there. I mean, those are the guys you're chasing. And, and when we're trying out for the World Junior Team, and you know, you knew of the history of the of the teams that played before you, and um, it was just it's 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 such a great fraternity to be a part of. And of course, um, winning a gold medal in Canada in your home country was was extra special. I think it was the first time it was done for during the world juniors anyways. And, um, we, we just had an unbelievable time. And the other guy that I, I, I talked about Falloon and, and Lindros, but Scott Niedermeyer as well got drafted, um, that, that following year, I believe. And, um, Scotty, I mean, what a, what a career he had four Stanley cups. I ended up winning a Stanley cup with him as well. So we have a couple of great photos that we tried to reenact 20 something years later, 27 years later, actually to be exact. Um, okay. And it was, it was unbelievable. Great experience. Okay. Okay. Um, your biggest goal of your career, would you say it's the Mayday goal? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, certainly, that, you know, biggest goal that it was in overtime to win a series. Um, not many guys get that chance. Um, certainly for all the players that have played, but. Um, still remember it like pretty clear on how I, it went you know, down? I don't really of course, I remember it. I've seen it a thousand, yeah. ten thousand times, whatever. But um, I don't necessarily remember the feelings like in the moment. But um, you know, probably when you think back at it, my mind memories now are all accumulation of, of just watching that same video and listening to Rick Jenneret. Yeah, make that call. I think it's a hockey call. It's. Um, um, the, you know, anybody that's a fan of the game and, and a historian and, and pays attention, they've seen this call or this goal. And um, I think the call and the goal are together, you know, one of the best that's ever happened. So for me, it was amazing. So uh, what challenges did you come across in getting to where you were at? Like in, in getting to where, getting to the peak of your NHL career? Um, you know, lots of challenges, um, you know, from, from distance, from not being around family and people that, you know, obviously that are, that you rely upon. That's number one, you move away from home when you're 15 or 16 years old in many cases, and you're billeted with, you know, a, a straight or a foreign family. And 
obviously I had, I had some great moments, obviously um, the people I lived with and I had a great roommate, Keith Primo, longtime NHLer. We were roommates my first year in Niagara Falls. And, uh, but injuries would be probably one of the biggest things that, you know, set you back. And, you know, I hurt my knee going into the, um, that my last year junior had a surgery where I came out of surgery and I wasn't allowed to put weight on my leg uh, for six weeks. And, that's the way they used to treat um, knee injuries. And today, the same injury, you know, the, you'd get a surgery and you'd be walking out of the operating room and, um, and moving and probably playing and, you know, half the time. So um, it's interesting how medicine's changed. But, you know, from that to, you know, just illness, you know, different things. And then, of course, you get the stress of, the, of winning and losing and what happens when you, you're on the bad side of it and you made the mistake to, to cost your team in the playoff game or, regular season and you know we all go through it you play long enough um you have to take the good with the bad and um but i'll tell you what the the one thing any problem or any you know obstacle or 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 challenge is met with two things you either have a choice of of quitting and and seeing that challenge is insurmountable or you know do some thinking and some soul searching and figure out a way to solve the problem and um and, and get past whatever obstacle is in your way. And I think, you know, perseverance is number one, but um, you have to have a, the, the foresight to see it. And, you know, you, you learn that from, from veteran players. You learn it from the people that you surround yourself with. And I was very lucky to be playing or to play a long time in the NHL, but I played with so many great guys that I learned so much from. And um, these guys also, you know, took the time to kind of help me when I was going through some tough times. So, um, you, you don't do it all on your own. There's no, no doubt about that. Um, I can probably speak of 50 or hundred guys that, that, that made a difference in my life, if not more. And, um, I think that's the thing I miss the most about the game is, is those relationships that you used to see on a day-to-day basis. But on the other hand, you know what, that chapter is closed, but you know, I can always go back and, and remember it and talk highly about those guys and those, you know, different scenarios. So, um, it too shall pass. Everything, everything, you know, ends, you know, when you think of it that way. But um, when I think back of my career, I'm proud and I'm excited and, and, and extremely happy that I had that chance. And retirement does bring on some fun stuff too. So. Oh yeah. Big time. And, and I wouldn't, I gotta be honest, I'm watching the NHL playoffs right now and you know, it's amazing. And there's part of me that's like, listen, if I was 20 years younger or whatever I am now, but you know, I would love to get back on the ice and go play and be in this, in this environment. But on the other hand, I've been on my, at my cottage on the dock, you know, on yeah. the water and having a great time and spending time with my kids playing golf. And I don't want to ever play the game again at, at a competitive level. Um, I got my fill and um, very lucky to do so. So um, for me, you know, I, I remember the good times and um, there's so many other things that you can, you know, sink your teeth into. And as much as I wish I was at hockey games and on this cup run the Canucks just did, it really looks pretty cool, though. I like the way they have the screen set up, and it looks it, – it, it's actually nice to look at stands with there not being any fans. Do you know what? I, um, I, I was somewhat skeptical, I think, like as everybody was, because you didn't know what it was going to look like or the actual production quality and, you know, what was the energy going to be like and the rivalries and – I'll tell you what, the NHL has done a great job. I, I haven't watched any other sports. I got to be honest. I did watch the Raptors last night for 10 minutes at the end of their game, but, um, and that was game six 
you know, depending on when people listen and watch this, but, yep. uh, and I got into watching basketball for those five or 10 minutes, but um, I haven't paid any attention to any other sport, but hockey's done an unbelievable job. And, and I find myself every day because literally it's right in front of us, you know, for the most part, every single day that um, other than the few days that they took, they, they took a leave of absence from um, for many good reasons. Yep. I've loved it. And I think the NHL has done a great job. And the and players, Raptors, and the Raptors, players have done fantastic. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and the players have, it seems to me like they're playing hard. They're playing for keeps. And so this whole idea of will there an asterisk be, be beside the, the winner on the Stanley Cup, people used to talk about it. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure people probably still feel that way, some people. But if you're watching this, you have to, you have to really put, tip your hat to these guys. They're playing hard, and it's fun to watch, and they're playing for keeps. The only way I'd see an asterisk, though, is maybe if you were not one of the top 16 teams and you won it um, to make it in there. But it's, it seems to me it's way harder. Look at the Canucks. They just had two back-to-back games in a, in a seven-game series. Like, that's bullshit. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it, I guess the scheduling is a big part of it. It is. It's tougher, obviously. Um, but, you know, when you think – like, and I don't know if you, if you recall because you said you were born in 83. Um, Back in the 80s, um, in, in the early 90s, you used to play the first four games of, of the first round um, was, was back-to-back, a day off, back-to-back. And then, oh, really? of course, go every second day for a game five, six, and seven. So this isn't a change in what's happened in the past in hockey. It's all scheduling. But here's the other thing. A lot harder 20, 30 years ago to have a back-to-back, even during the regular season when you're on an airplane flying from one city to the next. Yeah. You know? Um, these guys are holed up in a hotel, really t- t- being, being taken care of. They're doing, taking all the precautions. Um, nobody's tired from traveling. I don't think the back-to-backs are as hard, but back-to-backs after playing overtime games and, and games that matter, um, the teams that actually were able to close out their opposition or their, their opponent are quicker, four or five games as opposed to yeah. going to seven, um, that's an advantage, Major League. There you go. like what we got over here in Vancouver with the Canucks. I love it. I, I you know what? So I got to be full disclosure. Um, Travis Green, your head coach, is a yeah. is a dear friend of mine. I played with Travis, and and um, so I'm so happy. I'm biased, anyways, for many reasons. I played for the Canucks twice, yeah. uh, four or five years of my career. Love Vancouver. I love the coach. I love the organization. Um, that, so everything about it. So I was a Canuck fan. I was rooting them on, but. I didn't know much of, and I haven't, you know, paid much attention or, or certainly my own personal socialization with Peterson, with Brock Besser, with all these young Quinn Hughes, all these guys. And I'll tell you what, they got some great young players and then they yep. mixed in, you know, Roussel played awfully hard. I know it was a tough series against Vegas, but um, you know, I like what they have and Bo Horvat, this guy exemplifies everything you want in a, in a captain and a teammate and um, and he had a heck of a playoff. So there's a lot of good things, a lot of, a lot of things to be positive for and, and, and look look on the bright side for the Canucks. I know you got knocked out, but you went a lot further than you thought you were, yeah. you know, six, eight months ago. And um, the, the big thing is these young guys in Vancouver um, have some experience now that they can impart on their new teammates next year. Or if, it, if nothing changes, they can actually rely on each other because they know – how they perform when, the, when it really counts. Did you have a favorite sports hero? 
That's a great question. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I, I wouldn't – Jack Nicklaus rolling, rolling in a putt in 1986 at the Masters. Yep. Um, I remember – is that a hero to me? I don't know, but he certainly made me jump out of my chair and I fell in love with golf. Um, Tiger Woods, I know he's younger than I am, but um, watching Tiger Woods win championships and seeing how he did it and has done it for, you know, almost two decades is actually pretty remarkable. Um, sports heroes, I, I'm not so sure that I've been affected because of what they've done, but like Joe Carter hitting a, hitting yeah. a home run. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays these are moments that we'll never forget so there's a lot of guys that I've I've celebrated I'm not so sure they're my heroes but um, they definitely make me excited for sure do you have a favorite sports movie favorite sports movie um, great that's not a good question I love Slapshot I love I Caddyshack the, I, bring the heat. I bring the heat on these questions for you hey, hey those are my two favorites Slapshot and Caddyshack they're classics they make you laugh every time you watch them is as dumb as they are at times. Um, love it. But sports movies, um, I love Hoosiers, you know, okay. with, uh, with, I think, who was in that one? Dennis, Ho Dennis Hoffman? No. Hoffer. Dennis Hoffer, right? Dennis Hoffer. Hoffer. Dennis Hoffer. Yeah. Um, unbelievable movie, Hoosiers. Um, Chariots of Fire was a great one. And uh, you know what? There's so many other great sports movies. Um, I love it. Um, I love sports in general, but, um, but for me, I love laughing, and I love being able to recite certain lines out of movies. Slapshot and Caddyshack, two of the best. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. I always love Rudy. Rudy oh, Rudy's great, too. As a matter of yeah. fact, your coach in Vancouver, Rudy Rudiker, yeah. um, your coach, that, that was my nickname for him, and that was his nickname for me. We call each other Rudy. Oh, really? Like oh, a little, I might have to little, bring that up if I get, ever get a hold of uh, Travis Green. Yeah, and it was all from Rudy, right? Because the, the, he's he's so pumped, and he just never never quit. And yeah. Travis was like that as a player, and um, I, I would like to think that I was too. That I didn't let the 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 tough moments, you know, wear you down. Yeah, and we're actually uh, somebody we're trying to manifest our way to right now is the actual Rudy Rudiger. We're we're trying to get him on the podcast. We've been talking, just trying to find a day that works. Oh, I love that. That's cool. I, yeah. I'll definitely. And I think that guy's amazing. I, I, not the real guy, but um, certainly the movie. He, he yeah. was amazing. Yeah. 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 This is the real, the real guy that they made the movie about. Right on. The, uh, so you got traded for Jeff Sanderson to Vancouver. What were your thoughts on getting to come back to Vancouver? Well, I, when I got traded to Vancouver the first time, but of course I was drafted there. But um, when I got traded, it was pretty sad. I got, I, I thought I was going to be a lifer in Buffalo, play my whole career there, you know, did everything they asked you, you know, to do and be part of the community and all that. And within, I don't know, it wasn't even eight hours, 10 hours. I was on an airplane flying out to the West coast and awfully excited to get to Vancouver. Um, Mike Keenan was the coach and GM at the time. And he said to me on the phone after I was told I was traded um, that he said, think of two names because they'll be your line mates the rest of the season, Mark Messier and Pavel Bray. And um, it's awfully, it's pretty easy to go from being, you know, sad because you were just traded from a city that you loved and enjoyed and it's all you knew to going and playing with Mark Messi and Pavel Bure and not to mention the Canucks living at the Western Bay shore, right downtown, watching the seaplanes, you know, come in and gas up. It was, it was an unbelievable change in lifestyle. And 
Um, it was something that I'll never forget. It was certainly um, a great moment in my career. But when I was first told of the trade, um, it broke my heart because I thought that I was going to be a saver forever. But I continued to play 12 more seasons and, uh, and played for seven more teams or six more teams. So, um, you know what, once the first, once you get past that first experience of being traded and leaving, and I said eight to 10 hours, whatever it was, um, you know, these are life lessons that, you know, you, you reflect upon and I can go anywhere today. Um, I'm happy by myself. I'm happy with my family. I, I can entertain myself. And, and, and these are things that when you're with, you know, certainly every day with a, with a, group of guys in a team um, and it gets upset or, 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 or your situation changes quickly, um, you need to be able to internalize things and, and, and still find your happiness and, and, and your motivation. So um, I love the fact that I love being traded. I love playing for seven teams and uh, very, I say eight because I played in Vancouver twice, but um, for me, it was, being traded and playing and, and, and the, the whole thing away from the game itself was the greatest part. Yeah. You remember when you tooled Shane Corson a bunch of times, boom, 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 boom. Hey, so course, so court, I fought, you got a lot of these guys. I, I, I fought course, yeah, Robbie Ray. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you what, every single one of them, and, and myself included, we all could have won the fight and we all could have lost the fight just as easy in, in that group of guys every guy was a gamer and um but my fight against course was one of the first fights i ever had in the nhl and um it was a three-on-three -three situation guys were in the penalty box and and we went out on the ice we were losing the game and it was a three-on-three -three. so and um, right, off the, right off the face off you attacked him yeah well i, or, I actually, he attacked you well i tried to win the face off because i was a young guy I was, 18, 19 years old, and I thought I had to win the win the win the face off first, and then fight. I knew I was fighting, and um, as we skated on the ice, Brad Miller fought Mario Mario Roberge, and I think Gordali fought Todd Ewan, and then it was of course me and Corson, and um, I tried to win the face off, and as I won the draw and I hit the puck, I looked up and Course hit me right square, right in the face, <laughs> right just above the nose. Thank God he didn't hit me in the nose; hit me right between the eyes. And, um, and then we went on, the referees broke up the other two fights. I think we fought for about a minute and a half or two minutes up and down the ice. And, um, if I probably, if I don't fight Shane Corson that night, it's very possible I get sent to the minors at some point in time for more development. Um, but Saturday night in Montreal and I held my own. I mean, I don't think I won. I don't think I lost. It was a, it was a hell of a fight for both of us, but, um, if I don't fight Shane that night, I don't know what happens, but I know f for a fact that because I fought him and did well, um, I basically earned my spot on the roster the rest of the season and, and earned the respect of my teammates. And I guess I earned the respect of, of the guys you're playing against too. But um, at that moment, you know what, you're just, it's, it's, it's fight or flight. And you know what, I wanted to stay in the NHL and nobody was going to stop me. And, um, course hit me he cut me over my ear in the fight and you know I, I think I hit him a couple great ones too and awesome so I yeah. love it I I miss fighting it's the only thing I miss about playing hockey I swear to do, God do you, have of a, do you have a favorite fight um I would say literally like not even because we were talking about this one I'd say uh, I think and remember the fight against course because it, it was such a pivotal time in my career just starting and, and, and that memory and that story I just told you. 
was a big part of me staying in the NHL, certainly early on. Um, but there's other ones that I, that I absolutely love and a couple I don't, and I didn't like because, you know, you, you're on the wrong side of it, but, um, Derek Bugard, who's the late Derek Bugard, we were in a fight in 2007 after Anaheim won the Stanley Cup, and we had to go play Minnesota again the following season. I had hurt one of his teammates in the, in the playoffs, and, um, of course, you got to stand up for what you did, and maybe you crossed the line if you did or you didn't. I got suspended, but um, I would do the same thing all over again. But I did it against a team that had the toughest guy in the NHL, and, of course – I have to have honor, my name on my back, yeah. crest in the front. And uh, that was probably the most, most, I say afraid, but certainly the most apprehensive and, and, and anxious I've ever been to actually go and play a hockey game. I knew I was going to fight Derek Bugard. So that was, that was intimidating. But, um, and I loved it, though. Here's the thing. When I tell you the story, I, I lived to tell the story, but um, I miss it. I miss whacking guy. I miss teeing off on somebody. And I – and, and when you get hit and you know that that was his best and it didn't knock you down and you still, you know, you're in the fight, there's something that, about that. I don't know if everybody understands it. They might, some people might think it's stupid, but frankly, I could care less what they think. Yeah. I know a lot of people that have been in altercations, they understand that there's adrenaline and, and fear and, you know, sometimes there's luck involved too. So you may not be the toughest guy, but if you're, if you're, if you're ready to go and the other guy isn't, you might have a chance. And I learned that early, um, had some great teammates that taught me some, you know, great ways to prepare. And um, I can honestly tell you after 19 years playing in the NHL, I never got hurt in a fight outside of hurting myself and dislocating my shoulders and having surgeries for that breaking your hands. And, but I never got knocked out and I never got hurt in a fight. So um, I must've done something right. What was your, this isn't one of my questions, but what was your worst injury? I'd say my worst injuries, I had, I had four, I dislocated my shoulders four times. So twice on my left shoulder, twice on my right, <clears throat> um, that, that required surgery. That surgery and recovery is anywhere from four to six months, um, torn labrum, it's called a bank heart reconstruction. So th those were the, my worst, but, but I'll tell you what, it wasn't bad enough that one derailed my career. I think it slowed and maybe changed, you know, the, tra the trajectory of it. But I had four of them, and I recovered from all four. I feel great today. So um, I think there was a few. The worst pain I ever had, though, I, I broke the tip of my thumb. And I, just think oh. of like a toothpick, like the tip of a toothpick, and you just snap it. Um, I, I broke the tip of my thumb, and I couldn't, like, not, I couldn't even turn like a key in the door. I couldn't turn my car on, and. Um, that, that was incredible pain for about six or eight weeks or whatever it was. Um, I broke my sternum with a body check in Phoenix. Um, Mike, Mike Weaver, I believe his name was, playing against Atlanta. And I went to hit him, put a stamp on a victory that we were winning, and he gave me the reverse shoulder and he hit me right in the chest, broke my sternum. Going to bed that night, I, I swear to God, you, nobody wants to have a broken sternum. It's the worst pain ever. You can't even – you can't laugh. You can't cough. It hurts to breathe. Um, lots of pain, dude. But guess what? When you feel pain, you know you're alive. So it's a good thing. Yeah, it means you're also hitting hard, too. In 2009, you rejoined Bertuzzi Cluche in Detroit. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know what? Todd and I are dear friends. We'll always be dear friends. Um, and, and Cluche as well. 
um, it was it was great for me. I went back. I, I was traded from Anaheim to Toronto. Went through the summer after that season. Late in training camp, I went to training camp with the Red Wings. No no contract. It was my last year. I earned a job and I signed a contract. And um, it was my last season. I kind of knew it was going to be, but um, I got to play with some great guys. Of course, playing with Todd again was a lot of fun. But um, playing with Nick Lidstrom and Thomas Holmstrom, who we all hated playing against, but we loved being on his on his team. What a great guy! Chris Draper and Malpe and um, I can go I can go on and on. Rafalski was on our team, great player. And then you got Zetterberg and Datsuk. It was a great way to finish. I played with you know so many of these guys, played against them, but um, I, I made some great friends that you know that are lifelong friends. My last year in the NHL, and, and I'm so so happy that I had that opportunity. No, uh, that wasn't McCarty was already traded at that point, right? That's when yeah, they brought he, you in. Yeah, so he he had been gone. I want to say a um, um, couple of years because he, he only yeah, spent maybe, yeah. he only yeah he only spent a couple of years in Calgary. So I think you gave an um, so I'm gonna have a glass of wine here. Hey, um, hey, let's go. I gotta go to the fridge to get another one. Um, <laughs> hey, oh, you. Again, here I got one more. Hey, hang on, then. Hey, does uh, does Bert still got the the uh, hot little uh, babe? He's got a new girlfriend. Um, he's engaged to be married, but I don't want to. Okay, I, we I don't have to talk about it. No, I can't be telling stories about everybody else, but I can tell you this. Todd's in a great place today, and he's got a great, great girlfriend, um, fiance today, and and we we really enjoy being around her as well. Yep, she's probably the one I met at the hockey, uh, the Canuck alumni event. Yeah, 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 it was. And uh, but yes, fantastic girl, and he's got great kids, and his first wife Julie is awesome. So you know what? That's a you know I I I'll touch on this. It's hard to you know you got so many of these great friends. And, but your friends also, you know, your wife's friends with their wives or girlfriends and, you know, years go by and, and relationships don't last in all yep. cases. You know, it, it, it changes, it changes the dynamics, but um, the Bertuzzi's were always good with the maze and uh, they always will be. And yeah, tight at the hip. Perfect. What's your favorite drink? Um, I'm a tequila drinker. Okay. Um, love tequila. And by the way, you could drink tequila. It's the only upper that's an alcohol. So truly, you could drink, and I'm not telling you to do it, but you could drink a bottle, <laughs> of tequila, wake up tomorrow with no hangover. Tequila is oh, fantastic. Tequila um, gives me a hangover. Yeah, but no, if you drink the right tequila, no kidding, and you don't drink other stuff. No, if you have tequila with sugar and all that stuff, right? But um, And I'm a red wine drinker. I like red wine and I like tequila and because I'm Canadian and because I'm a hockey player, I've always loved beer, but I'm just trying to stay a little bit slimmer. So yeah. I'm trying not to drink beer. That's what I'm on the neutrals right now. These you go. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way since I, since I'm not going to the Canuck games anymore, I don't need to be drinking beer every day. Right. Right. So. It's dangerous. Right? It, it, this, this COVID-19 thing is it's we're home. There's not a lot to do. I, I think, Everybody that I've talked to is drinking way too much, and it's not a good thing. Yeah. Um, it's one way we are we able to we coped, but um, I don't mind drinking. But there's no question I'm drinking too much today, and I got to slow it down. and And I would encourage everybody else to at some point in time, you know, shut her down because it, it's 
it's, it's like a deep, dark hole. If you keep going, you're never going to find the end. So um, you got to turn around. And um, if you drink that's, too much, it's not a good thing. No, so. yeah, that's for sure. I, uh, I'm definitely a drinker too. I know we crushed a couple beers at the uh, Canuck alumni. Well, you were, tell, you were telling us a couple good stories. One of them, I, I, later on, I was going to ask you about, can you tell us a Dominic Hasek story? But I heard that Rob Ray pushed him against the wall and tried to choke him out for not signing an autograph for a kid. Yeah, you know, so you know what? I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Razor. There's no question. All these stories are probably true. Um, um, Dom Dom Dom's an interesting guy. Dom's a Hall of Famer. Dom is, in my mind, the best goaltender that's ever played the game. Um, I, I obviously there's others that are in the conversation, but I think Hasek is. You know, certainly in the 90s, um, late 90s, mid 90s, he's the best goaltender that ever played. And um, with that, I mean, he's he was a character, um, yeah. came from a communist country. And his his day to day behaviors were very different than what we were brought up and taught. And and um, yeah, he, he did a lot of, a lot of things that kind of, you know, irked, irked his teammates. But on the other hand, we wouldn't have had a good team if Dom wasn't on it. And we had a ton of fun with Dom as well. So. Um, yeah, lots of crazy shit went on in Buffalo with, with Dom and Robbie and Matthew Barnaby. And, yeah. um, you could probably, you probably pull stuff up on the, on, on the internet and YouTube and, and, and there's some stories from the past, but you know, I, I like to stay away from a lot of those things because yep. you know, at the end of the day, what stayed in the room or happened in the room stayed in the room and, um, I don't want to get involved. Yeah. Like Vegas, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> hey, listen, it's, it's, it's a good model. Yeah, yeah, actually, one of my notes here we got uh, coming up here. Uh, you actually were doing uh, broadcasting for the Golden Knights? Yeah, so I did uh, – I, I started I, – after when I, when I retired, I was in Toronto and I worked at Sportsnet and TSN and uh, NHL Network and whatever. And then I went to the Buffalo Sabres for a few yep. years. And then um, the first two years of the Vegas Golden Knights, I was – I was doing, I was an analyst for them on the pregame in between periods of postgame show. And, um, I, of course I love Vegas and I love that team. Um, I, I'm really, I'm bullish on that team right now. I think they have a chance to, to win the, you know, the whole thing. They've been a, a perennial in the first three years. Amazing. The success they've had, um, their players are, are, are competitors. They're ready to play most nights. And, um, it was a fun, fun group, fun place. Uh, clearly, unbelievably fun place to be. Yeah. The organization winning or getting to the final in the first year um, was very, very cool. And I took a step aside last year, so I didn't. I haven't done it this season. Um, and um, it, it was something I needed to do. And I was just traveling way too much, and you know, flying into Vegas and going home. Like I was on a plane every day or every second day, and um, maybe a little too much for me, but. I root for the Golden Knights, never played for them. Um, out of the seven teams I played for, if I had an eighth jersey, it would be the Golden Knights because I've, I, I literally love that city, love their fans, and, and, and their players are outstanding. So um, very big, very big um, Vegas Golden Knight fan. Do you have a favorite teammate of all time? I got, you know what? I can't, I can't break it down to just one. Okay. I, I, I have a lot of reasons. I could – I could, I could tell you this. Dale Howard, Chuck just passed. Um, yeah. one, of, one of my favorites. He was a mentor to me. When I was drafted, I was part of the trade that Dale Howard, Chuck, and Phil Housley were in. Um, so when I got to Buffalo, or right from the start, um, 
I was kind of tied with Dale. Fantastic guy. We're going to miss him. Um, I told a story, you know, last couple weeks ago when he did pass. Um, just fantastic man. Um, Patty Lafontaine, same same team, same group of guys. Patty Lafontaine is one of my favorite people in the world. Like, forget hockey players. Um, has done so much for me and amazing. And then I got, you know, Robbie Ray, who you've had on your show, but Matthew yep. Barnaby, the good buddy. Bob Bugner, head coach of, of San Jose. Travis Green, your coach in Vancouver. Um, of course, Naslin, Bertuzzi, and Jovanovski, um, to, to name a few. Yeah, I mean, you know what? I'm fortunate. Um, not, not, not everybody has a, a, a number of friends that they could rely on if they ever did need. And I do believe that if I called in, any of these guys, they would, they'd be there for you. And I'd be there for them 100%. So um, having those tight bonds playing hockey was very special. And that shows a lot of each person's character too. If you can have, accept a call from somebody you haven't talked to in six months and still stand up beside them and help them out. Yeah. And you, you know, it's, it's cool. And to be honest with you, it's not even six months. It could be, it could be six years to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, um, it's, it's neat when you're part of a brotherhood, and I would say that a guy like Shane Corson, I never played with him, but um, we see each other now. We're retired. We do things. Um, if if Course called me or I, you know, there's a number of guys like this. These acquaintances you have. Um, we did the same thing. We 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 performed the same job, and and in many ways we're very similar people. And um, it, it's it's a great brother brotherhood to be a part of being a being a hockey player and or former hockey player. And, and um, I, I've said it three times today or more um, awfully proud to be a part of it. What qualities make a good captain? Wow. Um, lead by example. Now, how do you do that? You know, it, it, personality and you don't necessarily have to be the, the raw, raw guy and you don't need to be, you know, awfully quiet. The leadership comes in many ways. Um, you have to be honest you have to be hardworking. And if you're not honest and you're not hardworking, then you can't be a captain. Um, because how in the world, because we know each other so well, how in the world are the rest of the guys actually going to do what it takes to be on a good team? And, 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 and it's certainly in the tough moments. Um, so honesty, obviously work ethic. I don't think you net, you don't necessarily have to be the best player on your team. Um, I think that's one thing where hockey's gone wrong and maybe in every team sport is many cases, the captain is the most popular player. Um, it shouldn't be that way because in my, in my opinion, however, you need a guy that's going to last right. And be a part of your organization, part of the whole culture. Um, I would say that the, the last, you know, last ingredient that, that mo is most important is you have to have a sense. Um, you can't have an ego. You can't, be the guy that, that, that sucks the life out of the room. You have to be able to come into the room and, and, and provide energy for, for everyone in that room, no matter where you are and no matter where your game is. If you're playing great or you're playing poorly, um, you have to have the awareness to look across the room and, 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 and gauge, you know, how does your 17th player on the bench or your seventh forward or, excuse me, your seventh defenseman, why is he unhappy today? I, I'm going to help him. Or, 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 Hey, you're on, you're, you're the seventh defenseman because you're playing like shit. You're not focused. You've been doing this, this, and this. And a guy that's on it, uh, Mark Messier, who was fantastic. I know Vancouver fans, you know, maybe have <laughs> we, we ate him. Um, Mark Messier for, for 
if you ask if you ask Marcus Naslin and Todd Bertuzzi and Ed Jovanovski and all your young players that turned into the West Coast Express, um, they they would they would actually give credit to Mess and, and, and his leadership, um, and I would too, hundred um, percent. Again, I talked about Patty Lafontaine and Dale Howardchuk. I got to play with Sackick. I got to play with Lidstrom, Pronger, Niedermeyer, and, and to name a few. These guys are all in the Hall of Fame. And yeah. um, you know what? The other thing is, you know, these guys that I'm speaking of, they're all they're also amazing players, right? So if you don't do it on the ice, how in the world does everybody else, you know, or how can everybody else listen to you? So and believe what you're saying. So um, I think you got to be the whole package. Okay. I got a couple of stories we've collected over our past interviews. Good local guy here um, from the bar too. I know him. Uh, Dale Walters told me a sparring story. Dale uh, Walters. Walters. Yeah. Can you explain this sparring story? Well, you tell, you tell me what he said first and then I'll tell you if it's true. We actually haven't interviewed him. It was just, we were, we were just having a, conversation on the phone trying to line them up he also didn't show up once the um but yeah we were talking on the phone and he went to tell us a good story that you guys were sparring and i guess he caught you one time in the face and you oh, he caught more than once oh okay yeah so so i, I it was in the lockout in 04 i believe yeah 0304 there our lockout and my wife and i we we'd go work out with dale and uh, but I would spar with them and I was trying to get in shape and for training camp and that didn't, you know, whatever they shut us down for the season or partly at the time. And, um, I'm a tough guy. I fight, but listen, I'm not a boxer. Certainly not as good. I mean, Dale's unbelievable and quick and little guy though. And I'm like, okay, I can hold my own. Like this guy's not going to hurt me, which by the way, that's a pretty <laughs> stupid thing to think because these guys are unbelievable and they give you one, you know, I'll, I'll do it right now. They give you one, these, and all of a sudden my hands drop. Okay. <laughs> so he fakes, he fakes a, a, a hook to my body, fake body, my hands drop. And then it's another one right there. And it hits me right in the jaw. And he's like, okay, that's what we're doing right now. So I, I'm going to hit you. You're going to get hit with a left hook. The left hook's coming. I'm like, okay, perfect. I'm ready for the left hook. I'm here. I'm ready. Right. And the left hook's coming this way, coming right because he's a, yeah, he's the same same right-handed fighter I am, and we're here, and he gives me the, you know, little little feint, my hands drop, right after they drop, left hook, which comes this way, and anyways, he did it probably to me ten times, if I maybe <laughs> seven times, ten times, in a matter of you know five minutes, and. Um, he told me it was coming every single time and I could not stop it. And here's the thing. I don't care how tough you are. If you get a guy who's been training, he's a good boxer, you know, outside of being tackled to the ground, you're going to get your ass kicked. Um, and I did, I would have. Dale's amazing. He was a big gentleman, but um, I learned a lot, learned a lot from him. And um, I loved his stories. I can't wait for him to be on your show too, because he's a, he's a fantastic guy. Perfect. Yeah, we uh, we're trying. I see him at the bar more than I do, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, don't want to be that guy that's always like, "Hey, can you come on our show? If you didn't make it, you didn't make it." I'll I'll, I'll send him a message. I'll send him a message. Perfect. We'd love to have him back on too. I'll probably end up seeing him now that football's back on. I'm gonna be back in the bar for 
Hey, I like this Seahawks stuff you're wearing. Yeah, we got the sleeveless. I got Seahawks shorts on. What do you what do you what do you think of their team? Um, I I'm a big DK Metcalf fan, so I think the Seahawks have a have a really good team. Russell Wilson. It's hard to go against Russell Wilson. Um, I grew yeah, I, yeah, I, I went from Vancouver. Right, yeah. to probably after, whether it was a weekend or the week before or after, Dale hit me in the face fifteen times. We went down. Brendan Morrison, a um, couple of our trainers from the Canucks, Eddie Jovanovski. Um, I'm trying to think who else, but we we got in a in, in a limo from Vancouver. Went down to a Seahawks a Seahawk game. Unbelievable crowd. That was in 2004. Yeah. They played against Denver. It was an unbelievable game, but the fans down there are fantastic. And that's how it started. I I grew up a 49ers fan. And I know there's the same division, but I grew up a 49ers fan watching games in Montana's and your Jerry Rice's. And it wasn't until I could afford to go to Seahawks games that yep. I, I started going. And then as soon as I went there once, like you're saying, the stadium just changed me right away. And now it's Seahawks everything. I got a big-ass mural all painted on my wall. Like, hey. You know, hey, what do you think? Of, so I'm going to ask you a question. What do you think of the, the, the Seattle Kraken? coming into the league next year. It, it's actually going to be two seasons, but um, it's yeah, a good run. The, 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 team good, name, the team name, I wouldn't – I'm not really a fan of the team. I like the Sockeyes better. One, because the whales, like our, or like our Canucks, eat the Sockeyes. Yeah. <laughs> Fair so, enough. So I like that. The jerseys look really nice. That one with the anchor that they have that actually has a space needle in it looks really awesome. Yeah. Um, Cammy Granado, uh, she's do she's running things, I believe. Um, she's on the list of people we got to interview still. So, oh, cool, cool. What's she doing up, there? Um, I believe she's like, uh, shit. I'm not sure, but she's definitely in the upper management. She's, Very cool. She, yeah. Okay. One one note I got here under the Brad May stories to ask about. There's a guy, Mark Deck Show. He's I don't know. He was a prospect. He was on our he was on our show a while ago. He he told us that you said you were gonna kill him when he you were in Grand Rapids one time. And he and if you he, he said if I ever got you on the show, he's a goalie. Um, if I ever got you on, just to ask you about that. I you know what I threaten a lot of people, Mark. <laughs> uh, apologize if 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 yeah, as I stand here right now, I apologize. But all right, all right. Um, do you have no, a no, no, 100% though, Mark. I'm talking to Mark right now. I'll I, meant, I meant it 100% and I don't apologize <laughs> for it. But today, I kind of I feel embarrassed because there's been a lot of people that have said that I was a little too vocal, maybe a little too rambunctious. But at the end of the day, we we're just trying to win, bud. And um, I hope you're doing well. The, um, do you have a favorite piece of memorabilia? I, I, you know what? I have a Stanley Cup, a Stanley Cup ring. Um, I have a silver stick from playing a thousand games in the NHL. That's so the thousand, of course, my Stanley cup rings, number one, right? Um, beyond that though, my, what I earned just for me, um, of course I needed to, you know, do it myself, but I had teammates to help me. Um, the thousand game silver stick, um, presented from the NHL to me in Toronto, where I played my thousandth game for the Maple Leafs. Um, that would be my favorite piece of memorabilia. Okay. Okay. Um, did you have a pregame meal? I, you know what? I ate everything. I ate everything. I had no routines. Um, tried superstitions early on. 
and um, it just wore you out, got tired. You can never actually, you know, replicate the same routine every place from, you know, being at home or being on the road, cities, storms, being late on the bus, whatever it is. So I literally, I drank a lot of coffee and um, I never shut up anyway. So I talked a lot to my teammates and um, just always found a way, somehow found a way to be ready to go. And if I wasn't ready to go and I didn't feel good, the cool thing about being a tough guy or, or a guy that thought he was tough and could help his team that way, um, when I had no energy or I didn't feel good, I could get in a fight or start something. And, and you know what, everybody in the building would be like, that guy's ready to play. He's, you know, he's into it. And in some cases, those are the nights that you didn't even want to play. And because either you were either injured, tired or not feeling good. And um, so having that extra element um, probably masqueraded or or disguised, um, you know, what otherwise would have been some bad games. Um, So that's what I would say. You play a lot of golf now, right? Yeah, I love playing golf. Love playing golf. Um, I'm still as much as I play, I should be better. But um, you know, I can win. I can win. You know, I can put, hit the ball pretty good at times, and then I'm pretty shitty at other times. So um, I think that's the game of golf. And um, I'm a big fan of golfers. So I, I love, I love golf, and I love watching the PGA Tour, and certainly the majors. Uh, my favorite athlete, favorite guy to watch in sports would be Tiger Woods, and um, he's still my, my, he's still my favorite and nobody's, um, you know, supplanted him yet. Um, although DJ, um, looks pretty damn good right now. I know that's good too. And he's got Paulina. Woo. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's part of the hockey world. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. I got one more question. Personal highlight or, and personal low light. Personal highlight, personal low light, personal highlight. I got so many good ones, man. I, I really do. Um, I got to get corny here. I, I got two kids. Awesome. The shit they do make me happy every day. Happier than I ever could be and make myself doing whatever it would be. Um, as a hockey player, winning as a team, winning the gold medal, winning a Stanley Cup, scoring a goal in overtime that won a series. Yep. Of course, that's my nickname. So I got a number of highlights um, that, I, that I think of often, for sure. Um, low lights. I got a number of them, man. Um, the, I, yeah, I would say you had a twenty-game suspension for the slash on Heinz. Yeah, but I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change a thing. Um, and by the way, I didn't mean to do it. I, I, I slashed him in the face. Got twenty games. If you saw it on on TV or, or, or on a video, you'd be like, "What the hell was he thinking?" The thing was, I wasn't thinking, and I didn't even mean to do it. Like I panicked, and I I went yeah. to kind of. But I hit him in the face, and thank God I didn't hurt him. I mean, that was a low light, certainly, on my bio. But um, I wouldn't even know how to change that because it wasn't even – it was it was a mistake I made. It would be like turning left at a yellow light at an intersection and getting hit by a car or hitting somebody. Yeah. It's, it was an accident. Um, I actually hurt – when I got traded to Vancouver in, in the first game against the Buffalo Sabres, um, it was in Vancouver. We were playing against Buffalo, so I'm on Vancouver. and and um, Derek Plant, a guy that I used to drive to the rink with every day um, in Buffalo, late in the game, whatever, Buffalo was beating us at this moment, I don't know, 5-2 or whatever. And Derek Plant went in to poke um, Gar Snow in the pads. He was trying to score the sixth goal for the Sabres, and I'm on the ice, and you don't touch your goaltender. And I punched him in the nose, and um, I, broke it. I broke his nose pretty badly. And it was, I guess it was over on his cheekbone. 
and literally to the point where like it was, I think he had to be put out to reset his nose. And um, I, I'm, 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 if that's a low light, that would be one I'd love to have back. Um, okay. Although, although, and cause I did, I hurt my a friend, I hurt my friend. I'm just playing the game of hockey and whatever, but I don't know if I actually apologize 100% because I'm a Vancouver Canuck now. And yep. you know what? I am not, I don't need to be loyal to the Sabres anymore. And you know what? You don't touch my goaltender. And I believe that, but did I have to do what I did? I think I lost control. And um, so I wish I could have that one back. Um, another, like I'm trying to think of low lights. Um, um, can I ask, uh, we can always edit this part out if you feel free not to answer it. What about the Steve Moore thing? Um, you know what? I can tell you everything I feel about the Steve Moore thing. I think, cause quite honestly, first of all, you know, the, the civil lawsuit is over, right? So um, it's been settled. It'd be whatever. So it's gone. I love his brother and I met his family. They're wonderful people. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I, if, yeah, we can always cut that out. If you don't want, you can tell me off the air that we uh, can cut that out. If you want the, um, it was really good to hear your side of the things. I know that was a big part of, Canuck life, your life, and Todd Bertuzzi's life. So, yeah, you um, know what? Um, the more I think about it, I got two. I got two things. I want you to keep this. Okay. You know, maybe maybe you're gonna have a best of or something like that one day. Maybe you throw that in there. I maybe you don't. Maybe you exclude it right now. You know, like for for this this interview, yeah. um, if you don't mind. Yeah, but I don't fine. want you to get. I don't want you to get rid of it because I t I'm honest. This is how I feel. I could probably even go like deeper, but. I, I throw some words in that I wouldn't be proud of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just keep that in the, keep that in your hopper. Don't put it part of this one. Perfect. And, okay. And, but, but you, we'll, we'll pull that out one day when, when, when you make it. Yeah. That's yeah. Well, hopefully that happens one day too. You know, I got to get some more sponsors and stuff. There you go. Hey, so maybe I can get a liquor sponsor. I keep bringing these neutrals on my video. <laughs> Hey, I want to thank you for stopping by. We've had a really long chat. I uh, yeah, really long. We got a full hour out of here. I appreciate that a lot. We got football on TV right now, so the I'd love to chat one day down the road. And I know I'm going to see you at these alumni games, and where where I'm always at. Uh, I I'll be out. I'm going to just. I'm now granted COVID, all this stuff, right? We, yeah. But I'm going to do stuff with the with the Canuck alumni. Um, get out there. There's a number of things. I can't wait to get back to BC. I'd love to see you. Um, yeah, we'll be I there. Want I want everybody to stay safe, um, get through this. It's crazy times, but um, we'll get there. Just um, keep doing what you need to do to be happy, and um, hopefully you stay safe and, and healthy. Hey, everybody. Brad May here, former Vancouver Canuck, two times. Um, I only touch greatness. I will be on this show. Because you know what? I have a little greatness to my story as well. And um, I just want to enjoy the conversation with Ryan. And um, tune in. And let's get after it. All right. That's the best one we've had yet. All right. Hey, Cheers. perfect. Thanks. Thanks, Brad. Give me a week, and I'm going to put this together this weekend. And hopefully within the next week, I'll get it to you. Love it, buddy. Okay. You take care. Yeah. Okay. Goodbye.